Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell, and today I'm here with my good friend, Courtney Reisig. Courtney is the author of many books, including Glory in the Ordinary and Teach Me to Feel. She is also the Discipleship Content Director at her church. All right, so we're going to just go straight into it. I love the Gospel of John. I think everyone does. <laughs> and so I want to dive right in. John is unique for the Gospels, but one major difference is the theme. The other Gospels focus on the kingdom of God. Um, they are written in short episodes, and the differences are likely attributed to um, when they were written. But my question for you is, what are the major themes in the book of John? Okay, so we don't have a lot of time that I could like talk about John forever. I love John so much. But whenever we're talking about the Gospel of John, the big thing we have to think about first is that John tells us why he wrote the book at the very end. So in John 20, 31, he says, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and by believing you may have life in his name. And so it's a little bit different to put your main idea at the end, but that's what he did. And so when you're reading the Gospel of John, that's the question you need to ask. And every part that you read is, why? how does this narrative, how does this story, how does this interaction, how does this truth that I learned lead to belief? And not just belief in anything, but belief that he is the Son of God and that in believing in him, we live. And so... That informs the key themes in the Gospel of John. And so early on, you see um, these themes of light and darkness. So in John 1, he says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. And then you're going to see all throughout the Gospel, light and darkness coming up. So Nicodemus comes to him at night, but he goes, this is a Samaritan woman in the day. And there's these themes coming back and forth of, and, and typically that goes along with another theme is the upside down nature, the the one you expect to 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 believe is not always the one who believes. So you would expect Nicodemus, a religious leader, to believe, and he doesn't immediately. But the Samaritan woman does. She's the woman who has had five husbands, and the man she's with now is not her husband. And then the man born blind, he's blind. Um, and there's also the themes of, of irony and contrast. And so it's not expected that the man born blind is the one who would believe, but he is. And the religious leaders who come up again in John 10, right after John 9, um, they're the ones who don't believe. So there's these themes of light and darkness, unexpected belief, and um, these contrasting ideas. There's also um, a lot of themes in the Gospel of John of um, you see the, the role of the Trinity come up a lot. The Father, Son, and Spirit are brought up um, repeatedly. They're working together for salvation. And then what John has that is different than the other Gospels is he has these um, he, he divides the book into the, he has the I am statements. And so those are really familiar with the gospel of John. And then he also has um, what he calls signs. Some people call them miracles, but he calls them signs. And he calls them signs for a specific reason, because they're signs that point to he is the Christ. And so the gospel of John is actually even divided into two groups with the book of signs and the book of glory. So the first 11 chapters are the book of signs and 12 all the way to the end are the book of glory. So those are just some of the themes that come up. You see a lot of themes of water. Um, water comes up a lot. He he brings, um, and often, um, like the living water he talks about in John four, he talks about water in John eight, he brings it up again in John seven and eight. So, uh, those are kind of some, some of the major themes to be watching out for in the gospel of John. Well, well, that was excellent. Okay. So of those themes you've studied, you've written, you're 
constantly thinking about this gospel, which is really kind of awesome. <laughs> it's a good thing to be thinking about. So of these themes, if you were to encourage, maybe I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a few things. If you were to encourage someone who's never read the, maybe never read the Bible or read this gospel all the way through, because there's lots of people who skim things, or maybe they've read the I am statements because we're really familiar with those I am the vine and the branch. We are really familiar with that, but they haven't really dug deep. Where would you encourage people of, besides, okay, first you've got to start in John 1, <laughs> which I love the first, the beginning of the book of John, but how would you encourage, what would you encourage people to look for? I think, I think you kind of said it in the beginning, but is there one theme that you would encourage people? Okay, dive into this. Keep looking for this throughout. Yeah, I think I would start small. And so I would pick either um, the, the idea of like the contrasting ideas, or I would pick the, the light and darkness ideas. Con contrasting ideas, particularly with narrative, is really helpful. So as you're reading the narratives, look around, like when you're reading... Um, let's say you're reading in John 3 and John 4 and you say, or even John 2 through 4, read those narratives together and, and write down everything that's happening in the interactions that Jesus has with people. So let's say he has a lot of conversations in John with people. So write down what's happening in those conversations. What is he saying to them in those conversations? Who are the characters in those conversations? And then ask, how are they, what do they look like side by side? Because then you'll see these contrasting ideas that are designed to prove the point of John 20, 31, that he, he is the Christ. And so the, I would start there and that, that kind of, I mean, you could spend forever doing that of just breaking down each narrative interaction that he has with people, each, each conversation, and then asking and looking at them side by side, because there's just a, John is very structured and very disciplined and purposeful in how he has put the book together. And he has put these stories side by side in order to prove a point that their, their contrast together, the people who you expect to, to believe are not the ones who believe. He does that to show what kind of savior he is. So he's a savior, he's a savior for the whole world. He's a savior who come to, who came to save the Gentiles, the Samaritans. He's the savior who came to save sinners who are, who are outcasts. He's the sinner. He's the savior who came to heal people. And there's just a lot of, of those interactions that help you see what kind of Jesus he is and how, how he's unchanging. And I think that that would be um, a really, you could spend a lot of time doing that and, and get some really fruitful understanding of the kind of savior he is. And I would fuel your faith in him um, of, of who he's come to save. Amen. Gosh, I love that. And even thinking of the Samaritan woman, I, just, there's so much culturally. Um, she's a woman, uh, her ethnicity. There's so much about it where Jesus really shouldn't have been talking to her, but he is the Christ. So he, he is um, he is holy and, and awesome and righteous and good and loving. And um, gosh, yes, it just will draw you near to him and his, his good character. And so what I wonder is, um, how would you encourage someone to apply some of this? Uh, you're just talking about these contrasts and how Jesus is different. Jesus is set apart. How do we apply some of this? Yeah, so I think the impetus in John is is not, is follow to some degree, but but John wants us to believe. And so the the application for us is, do you trust him? 
do you believe him? Do you believe that he is who he said he is? And that by believing in him, you live. And by believing in him, you are transformed. And I think if you think in terms of um, the upper room discourse in John 13 through 17 and in, in John 13 through 16 in the high priestly prayer. And there, there's a lot of application in there. And I think so applicable for our day in our churches of, of, of unity. And um, it's going to be hard to be unified and it's going to be hard to love one another. And it's going to be hard to lay down our lives for one another. And that, and that's absolutely true that we need to live in that way. But the only way we live in that way is if we believe in him. And by believing in him, his Holy Spirit indwells us. And it's the spirit that empowers us to do what he has called us to do. And the I would want someone who read the Gospel of John to not think if I just did these things, then I would be, that I could, and I was living a good Christian life. John is so concerned that we see that it's not in our own strength that we do it. It's the spirit that is sent to us that Jesus talks about in John 14, that he's going to send the helper, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, who is going to then live inside of us and make us new and enable us to do those things, which would have been so helpful to the disciples in that time period because they didn't have a category for that. All they knew was the law. All they knew was do this, do this, do this. And it fell utterly short. And so, and we try to do that. We try to obey and do the right thing. And we know it falls short. And Jesus is saying, believe in me and I will send the spirit to you and I will give you everything you need to obey and, and stay close to me like that divine, like he talks about again in John 15 is abide in me. And by abiding in me, you will bear fruit. And so the, the answer for us is to stay close to Jesus. And by staying close to Jesus, then we're able to do all that he's called us to. And I think that would be the application point that John wants us to take away from the Gospel of John. I love that. And I'm so glad that's that's really encouraging um, and so full, full of grace. So I guess you and I could both say that we need to ask God to give us a gift of faith. Well, let me just pray that right now. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us listening, um, as even Courtney and I, that we would believe you are who you say you are. And God, that you would fill us with faith to believe so that we can walk in a manner worthy of your gospel. Lord, that our our faith would be proven out by our actions, Lord, that we would be motivated by grace and that we would grow in the knowledge of you. So God, only you can do that. And we will rest and abide and remain in you, Lord, as you prune and pluck and teach us all your ways. So God, we, we pray this and we believe that you give the gift of faith. And um, so we pray this and submit this to you in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, thanks, Courtney. 